All right, so we're going to try to do this uh, News for Jags podcast live here on Instagram, the new Sports for Jags Instagram that we've been uh, kind of playing with. I'm Jamal St. Cyr alongside Justin Barney, and uh, this has probably been a, an exhausting head coaching start for the Jaguars. <laughs> to say the least, you know, there's six other NFL head coaching vacancies right now, but the one I'm concerned with are the Jaguars. It seems like there's been no uh, credible information coming out on what's going to happen. The team has not kept things uh, abreast of the situation like other front NFL franchises are doing. It just feels very disjointed. Uh, you've had two coaching head coaching finalist candidates that you were interested in take jobs with other places. Yeah. So it just feels like this is set up for another disaster. If, if it's anything like typical Jaguars uh, processes, we know how this is going to end. Taking yeah. your, um, your, not your, not your top candidate. Uh, and settling for something else. Yeah, it feels like now that Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, the Colts offense, our defensive coordinator, both off the market. It's like if you don't land Byron Leftwich, what are you left with? I know they kind of talked with Vic Fangio. I'm not like completely against Vic Fangio, but I'm still not convinced that he would be a great hire. And what outside of that, the fallback options like Jim Caldwell, like. Uh, people were, I said that the other day, and people were like, well, he wouldn't want to come here and work with the general manager situation. And I said, well, what's his other option? Go home. Because he's interviewed for teams. He clearly wants to be back on the sideline. And so far, it hasn't worked out. He hasn't gotten a bite, and other teams are starting to fill those jobs. It looks like the, the first finalist for the Texans job was announced today is Josh McCown, the former uh, quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL. So it there's these jobs are starting to close up, and the Jaguars are still trying to figure out, well, are we going to get Byron Leftwich? Is Trent Baalke going to be the general manager? What's going on? It's it's a process. It's, it's been just disappointing, and it kind of goes in line with how the franchise has operated, yeah. or, um, you know, in the in the last few years. So it's very disappointing after the seasons that they had in a row, in mean, one and fifteen, three and fourteen, and just the Urban Meyer disaster era that it was. I just don't want, you know, we talked about this yesterday, I don't want it to feel like, uh, you know, they, they have to settle for, you know, their their third or fourth candidate, their yeah. third or fourth choice. And I, at this point, I think if you don't hire Byron Leftwich if you're Shad Khan, there's going to be a revolt um, if you if you end up hiring somebody like a Vic Fangio, um, a Doug Peterson, and uh, retain Trent Baalke. So I think there would be a mutiny uh, around TIAA Bank Field if that is the case. I think fans have uh, made it very well known that they want Byron Leftwich as their guy. Um, I think the hang-up has, has been reported throughout the uh, media over the last 24 hours is the sticking point of Byron kind of flexing his leverage and saying, hey, I don't want to work with Trent Baalke. I want my own guy in there. That's mm-hmm. natural. I think that is totally natural. Um, somebody asked me this morning from our news department about, is this normal? Is this a natural thing to do? You know, when you're hiring somebody for that position, you know, that person has a right to say, hey, I want my own guys in there. I think that's sure. in any line of business. You want to have somebody around there you're comfortable with, you trust, you know, who aligns with your same philosophy. And I think Byron feels that with his rumored choice of Adrian Wilson as a GM. You don't want to go in there and have to be married to a guy from the previous regime who, you know, Trent Baalke must have something uh, that he's done well for Shad Khan to continue to retain him, uh, a la blackmail, uh, whatever it is that people are making jokes about. But there has to be something um, tying Shad Khan to Trent Baalke and that, that blind trust. Because usually you have the clean sweeps, you know, you... You want a franchise regime change. I think fans want that. They probably deserve that after the mess mm-hmm. that's been there. So I do think that it's it's natural for a guy like Byron Leftwich, just he's going to make this huge professional leap to have his own guy that he feels comfortable with in there. And that's rumored to be Adrian Wilson, and that's what we've heard has been the hang-up, the sticking point on why the trigger has not been pulled on Byron yet. All right, well, before we kind of move forward, one of the things that I've kind of kind of put together with this whole thing, especially with Byron wanting his own GM, as a, a black head coaching candidate, there's only one current black head coach in the NFL. And those second chances for African-American head coaches, very hard to come by. So Byron understands that. He knows that. He's been a part of this process. He's seen it firsthand. So I'm not surprised that he doesn't want to tie himself to a general manager who sadly has a history of losing more games than he's won because Byron knows that if he comes here, fails, 
getting a second opportunity is going to be very difficult for him. Uh, the one thing that I've said in, uh, throughout this process, Byron was never my first choice. Uh, my biggest question mark with him is like, how hard is it to call plays for Tom Brady? Like, he is widely considered the greatest quarterback of all time. How hard is it to call plays for Tom Brady? Yeah, probably not that hard. Yeah. Like uh, to me, Byron Leftwich, and this was just me. Like uh, I thought he was more of like an Adam Gase kind of candidate. Adam Gase got his head coaching opportunity after calling plays for Peyton Manning. It ain't work. Now on the bright side, Leftwich was tutored under one of what we consider the top coaches in the NFL mm-hmm. and Bruce Arians. So like, okay, I get it. Leftwich also was an NFL player, a quarterback for a number of years, and has a lot more leadership qualities than Adam Gase had, but. What does his resume really tell you? He hasn't done that much. Now, he has had success with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even before mm-hmm. Tom Brady was there. Yep. Did some good things with Jameis Winston the one year that he was in charge of the, uh, the play calling with him. So, I mean, there are reasons to believe that Leftwich could be that guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players love him. He's a leader. He's always been a leader throughout his career. So those are good things, and those are things that the Jaguars need. I just wish that he had a little bit longer of a resume maybe, you know, not calling plays for the goat as long as he did. Yeah, and, yeah, I, you know, I do believe there's some validity in that. And, and knock on luck, which is also doesn't have that NFL experience, uh, head coaching experience. Um, he's young by some people's standards, which I don't think that holds weight. He's 42. Nah. Uh, you look at Sean McVay, he was not even 31 when he got hired. He's done pretty well for himself mm-hmm. over there in L.A. So I do think, I don't think the um, that, the age thing, I don't think the inexperience. We look at Mike Tomlin, what he's done in Pittsburgh. He had one season as the defensive coordinator when he took that Steelers job, and it has worked out very well for him. Fifteen seasons, never losing seasons, uh, a couple Super Bowls. He's done very well for himself, so I don't think that. But I, I do think um, when you mention the things like the, uh, the not having – that experience outside of a guy like Tom Brady for Byron Love, which he did have the James Winston. We've seen what guys like Adam Gase have done. Um, Josh McDaniels has done on his own um, when they've kind of been removed from that great quarterback play and gone to lead a team. It's been very spotty results, and I think that's natural. Uh, When we've done our podcast before, I think we've been in agreement on if you're a a guy like Byron Love, which getting this job, surround yourself with the best possible coaching staff. I mean, that's – I mean – When you're a head coach, you're delegating so much stuff to these coordinators and assistant coaches, and you're worrying about uh, so many things. You're not calling the plays all the time. I mean, Bruce Arians is not calling plays in Tampa. Um, So you're you're not seeing that. I don't know if calling the plays is that big deal. I I think having that coaching staff. The biggest vote of confidence that I've heard for Leftwich from Bruce Arians was that when he said this offseason, right after the game they lost, that if Leftwich left, he planned to start calling yeah, plays call again. again. For an offensive coach to to give away those play calling rights and say, well, if this guy's gone, I'm going to be calling those plays again, to me that is the biggest vote of confidence, Endor- the biggest co-sign that you could get. Endorsement, you know, yeah. for a guy like Arians who's lived by calling plays right. and been an offensive guy, for him to turn over that process of Byron Leftwich. That's trust. Shows That's trust, that confidence. Trust and, and, you know, Byron's resume is not filled with a lot of uh, length on it. I mean, he got to start as a coaching intern in 2016, uh, but it's been accelerated. And I don't think that's, uh, you know, that's just coincidence or anything that speaks volumes about about Byron. He's done it with two different quarterbacks. Jameis had a better year when Byron was calling plays for him uh, than he had previously. So I do think he's seen two different types of quarterbacks um, since his time in Tampa. So that's, yeah, the the Brady thing does scare me because it goes back to guys like Josh McDaniels, Adam Gase, have gone away from systems that they're comfortable with, had a, a Hall of Fame quarterback that you're working with, how are you going to survive when you don't have that Hall of Fame gunslinger mm-hmm. there? And we've seen that uh, recently with Gase and, and McDaniels, um, two of the, the mo- more uh, recent examples, when you don't have that A-list guy, how do you do? And, and they are two guys who fell on their face when they did it, but I right. don't think you paint everybody with that no, same No, you can't, uh, you can't do that at generalization all. at all. Well, okay, so the, the the pairing that we're hearing is that we're waiting to see if Adrian Wilson can come together. Ian Rappaport says the Jaguars haven't requested to speak with Wilson yet. Now, technically speaking, even if Shad Khan wanted to fire Trent Baalke right now and bring Adrian Wilson in as the new general, uh, general manager, the way the Rooney Rule is written, he would have to interview Wilson and one other minority candidate just to be in compliance. Even if he hired a minority candidate, he still has to interview two. So... So it's not as quick as a, a done deal. Now, here's my my one sticking point if Wilson. Like, I, I, I love Wilson as a player. I think he's done some good things with the Cardinals. But his job with the Cardinals right now is pro personnel. Mm-hmm. The thing that 
you're going to have an issue with is we're going into draft season. The Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Adrian Wilson has spent the entire year studying pro personnel. Mm-hmm. He, how much work has he really done on the draft class? If you get rid of Trent Bulky, whose background and the, the, the large majority of the work that he's done this season has been studying the draft class all year long. This comes from Urban and Bulky himself. You you put a, a huge gaping hole in your draft personnel because last year they, they kind of redid that part of the Jaguars organization, scouts and things like that, getting fired. So now who are these people in the building? And that's why part of the, one of the reports said that Bulky may be sticking around until after the draft and then they might decide to replace him. And if you go in with a guy like Wilson, I don't have a problem with Adrian Wilson at all. I think he could be a phenomenal. I think him and Leftwich could make the Jaguars a uh, an ideal landing spot for some of the top free agents in the NFL. But how are you going to be able to fill that gap in your draft process if you get rid of a general manager or bring in another general manager who hasn't been doing that homework mm-hmm. all year long? It, 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 you're immediately behind the eight ball and trying to play catch up. Yeah, that's that's a valid point, but I do think an Adrian Wilson probably has some. You know, even if you're you're separated in a building by something, you have at least an idea of what's going on. I'm sure he's not uh, completely detached from something. And I yeah. think I think Byron would have his input on it, and I'm sure they would hire guys elsewhere. So I do think even even though Adrian has not been. Uh, "Quote unquote," plugged into that draft side and studying those guys. Um, yeah, that could benefit Trent to, to hang around in some advisory role until after the draft, or you know, give his information to it. I mean, proprietary draft information uh, he assembled with the Jaguars. I do think that's uh, that's possible. Maybe there's a transition, a handoff of some sort from Bulky to the to the new regime, and then he takes uh, takes off after the draft. But I don't think you can expect a guy like Byron Leftwich or, or whoever the new coach would be to just be fine with having Trent Baalke or a hold over there. No. You would want your you own want, guy you in start there. Fresh, I, I think sure. you would want your own guy in there, and I don't blame Byron or anybody else who would have an issue with that power struggle um, of Shad saying, hey, Trent's my guy, take it or leave it. Um, I would have reservations about that, too. So I don't think this is anything on Byron and, and you know whoever, other whatever coach. I think it's natural to want your own person in there that you're comfortable with, you know, and and you can trust and grow from together. So um, I don't have any problem if Trent stays on through the draft and helps out the new regime if he's he's truly like that in an advisory role. But I've I've been, you know, like this since last year. I do think Jacksonville needs a clean sweep, Um, bulky as well as Meyer, Bevel, and that staff. I think it needs to be a clean sweep of the organization, and you infuse that new regime with some youth, some talent, and some more, you know, just a, a complete reset. And I, I, again, I don't blame Byron for holding on to this thing and saying, no. I want my own guy in there. It's bulkier me, so to speak. But I also don't have a problem with Shad saying, hold on, I need a second to think about this. Like, I, the thing I was trying to express to people is like, okay, Byron went into an interview. He convinces Shad that he's the best person for the job and then says, all right, Shad, here's what I want in order for me to accept the job. And I want you to fire your guy and hire my guy. A guy that Shad's never talked to, mm-hmm. never met, never had a discussion with, never probably never seen in person. Like that's what what did you expect Shad to go? Okay, like sight unseen, like all right, let's just get his agent on the horn and give him some money. Like, no. There at least have to have a discussion. Like you'd have to fly the guy here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mentioned the Rooney rule earlier. There there's other rules in place that have to be in compliance and other things. So like it once you got to that hurdle, that's a little bit more of a roadblock of like, okay, well I only want to pay you this amount of money and you want this amount of money. That's not it's not that simple. It's a matter of all right, well oh, we gotta get the Cardinals on the horn, let them know we want to talk to their guy. They've got to approve it because he's still under contract there. We've got to get Adrian Wilson here. We've got to talk to Wilson's agent because Wilson going to get paid, too. He ain't coming for cheap just because Byron wants him. Mm-hmm. So now both of them feel like they got Shad Khan right here and you know can basically say, all right, well, I want this amount of money if you're going to make the deal work. And if you don't get both of us, you don't get either one of us. Yeah. So now you're like, it's like you're asking Shad, fire this guy, and then we're going to hold the franchise at gunpoint and say this is what we want or else. So it's it's definitely it's a difficult situation with some layers there. But if it all comes together, it could work out very great. Because think about it this way. If you bring in Byron Leftwich, that gives the Jaguars the inside track on Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. who 
one of the top receivers, Tampa Bay ain't going to be kind of strapped on salary cap space. The Jaguars got plenty of it. Byron Leftwich was his offensive coordinator, led him to some big years in mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Yep. Trevor Lawrence would be very happy to throw to Chris. I'm going to go ahead and say yes. If you bring Adrian Wilson in, he's in charge of pro personnel, I think he knows a lot about a guy named Chandler Jones, a guy who single-handedly beat the Titans in yeah. week one of this season. Of he just so happens to be a free agent. And guess what? He ain't going to take a small contract neither. And the Jaguars got money to spend. So all of a sudden, you could land two of the top players in this year's free agency class just because of relationships that you brought in the building. Mm-hmm. And you can see other teams are looking at relationships as they head into the offseason. Like, you're not going to convince me that part of the reason the Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett isn't because they're angling to try and land Aaron Rodgers. Of course. Like, people are looking at these relationships. And players and agents look at these relationships. So, I mean, if you bring, if you hire these two, and Byron is able to stabilize the offense, and they're able to stabilize the franchise from turmoil, and then bring in two of the top three agents, you're going to start seeing immediate dividends because now Trevor has a go-to guy, Chris Godwin. Boom. Like I know people are worried about the ACL, but at the end of the day, like an ACL injury and ACL now is it's not, it's, yeah. it's nothing. No, it's like Chandler Jones isn't exactly a spring chicken. He's been around for a little bit, but you know what? He's still one of the top mm-hmm. pass rushers in the league. Pair him with Josh Allen, and maybe if you draft Thibodeau or Hutchinson or or whatever you do. I mean, I you know what? I take Chandler Jones, Josh Allen, and Dewan Smoot, and we'll go to we'll go to war every day. I mean, I I, I take those that trio and go yeah. out there. So I mean, that, and that's just two guys. And I mean, think about it. If they land those, if they landed one of those guys, we'd be lauding them for approval. Yeah. These two people could possibly bring two of the top free agents to Jacksonville just off their connections alone. So I think there's definitely something there. I think it's just going to take time to materialize. I still think Byron Leftwich is the front runner from what I've heard for the job. Uh, does it all come together the way it needs to? I don't know. But, but there's a lot of layers that got to kind of work together in order to make it happen. Does it is it worrisome that you know, okay, we're you know, what less than five days away from senior bowl practice starting. You're you're wanting to be out there, you know, if, if you Jaguars obviously going out there, but are you going out there with a, a skeleton crew staff? Are you going out there with dead man walking staff, knowing that you're gonna be cut loose with a new regime? That's why I still think Trent sticks around for the draft. I mean, because I think Trent will be in Mobile next week. Doing that senior bowl work, talking to those guys, I think that's where he'll be representing the Jaguars. I have very little doubt. And if they can get a deal done with a coach, then the coach will probably be down there because that's where the NFL meets. They go there, they look at some of the top guys in the draft. A lot of guys that aren't even competing in that game end up traveling to Mobile with their agents just to talk to general managers and coaches because so many of them are in this one place. Great networking hub. Yeah, and you don't don't get another meeting of the minds like that until Indianapolis for the combine. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there's a pretty strong chance that Trent's there next week. Is that necessarily a meaning that he's sticking around till April? No, but that means that it's part of his job, and he, at, he, right now he's in survival mode and trying to secure his position, which if I was him, I'd go there and say, well, this is why you should keep me at least till April, right? Yeah. Let me see what I can do. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's all kind of coming together. I think there are layers to this thing, and I think it could – I mean, it could pop at any moment. It's just there's different balls that have to drop along the way to kind of put the whole picture together, if you will. Yeah, and the pulse of the fan base during this time. Ooh. You can go on Twitter, Facebook, and it's just it's been a yo-yo. I mean, up and down. I mean, you've seen posts saying it's official. These hires are official. You know, Byron and Adrian are officially hired, but it's been so much just uh, it's been a washing machine of information just swirling around and with the fan base as much as they were kind of yanked around earlier in the year with Urban and the struggles and um, all of his missteps and Shad Khan's ownership of 10 years being more uh, more missed than hit, putting it mildly. Um, I think they're tired of it. I think they want something solid. And I think Byron and Adrian Wilson represent a fresh start. Young guy. I mean, Byron is oh. a guy a lot of the fan base knows and has heard of. He's a named guy. He didn't on Jacksonville. And I think it's... They want him. They don't want to reset with a Daryl Bevel. And that's why everyone was so willing to jump the gun is because Byron has been the name that's being being thrown out there since the second Urban was fired because of his connections to Jacksonville. Because so many people know him and because so many former players – Current fans want him here. Mm-hmm. They were, so many people, when there was just a hint that, oh, he's the guy, people were willing to jump the gun a little bit. But, I mean, 
I guess some of it happened. Like I said, there there was that wrench throughout where you want he wants his own general manager, which is fine, but that adds layers to the discussion. Yeah. So the one thing that should give fans at least a little bit of solace is that even though the New Orleans Saints have requested Byron Leftwich for an interview, there's been no reports of when that interview will occur or whether or not he will interview with them or or anything like that or him being in New Orleans. No one has reported that at this moment. So that's always good. It's like, okay, at the, at the very least, there's no reports of Byron talking to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's at least a little bit of solace that they are still working on this thing. Like, like I said, it's just it's. I mean, in the words of Shrek, it's like an onion. There's layers to this whole thing. Not a parfait. When you're, when you're quoting, <laughs> quoting Shrek to a Jaguars coaching search, you know we've hit. I mean, hey, look, we've we, hit a uh, low point in this search. We, we have hit the low point. It, it's kind of rock bottomish. I mean, because I guess the next thing is like, okay, if they strike out on the left, which Wilson combination. Where do you go next? It's bulky and who? Like, uh, that, that's the, the hard part. It's like, okay, where do you go if you strike out on Leftwich? Do you try and go back to Jim Caldwell and say, hey, Jim, you know, we really enjoyed our first interview with you and you, you were our guy all along. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because Jim's not a bad, a lot of people, he was their guy that they wanted. Mm-hmm. He could definitely stabilize the franchise and do some good things here. But, does Jim want the job? I think Jim wants to be back on the sideline, but who knows? Maybe you get to the table with him and he says a similar thing of, I don't necessarily want to work with the general manager, or I want this, or I want that. So, I mean, or, I mean, to me, if you don't land Byron, it's Jim Caldwell or bust, because it's like, or who? Mm-hmm. I mean, you interviewed Todd Bowles, but Bowles didn't even get a second interview. Um, you didn't interview Eric being any this, this go around, because from what I've heard, the last year's interview didn't exactly go well. Um, you know, you've already lost Eberflus and Hackett. Who who else is there? Daryl Bell. We never even heard a report of how his interview went, so I'm going to go with it. probably went, eh, you know what I mean? So, uh, like, Joe Cullen interviewed for the Ravens defensive coordinator job, but he didn't even get an interview with them for the, the head coaching job. They, this, I mean, my, my fear is that this turns into a Texans of 2021 scenario where you kind of settle on a David Culley guy, He's been in the league a while. He's been steady, but he's a guy that's... You mean, so Vic Fangio is... Vic Fangio. It would be that where you lose out on your guys or your candidates don't want to come here. Yep. And in the David Culley hire of, of Houston, granted, I thought they were going to be the worst team in the league, and they dimed the Jaguars twice. Yeah, um, yeah they did. So I, I thought he did a good job for what the, the hand he was dealt. Yep. But if you lose a left, which you don't make that left, which higher... Um, he stays in Tampa, ends up going somewhere else, and they end up having to settle in the way that Houston did for David Culley, and right. he's a one and done. I mean, the fan base is going to revolt. I don't know how, what you sell the fan base on if you hire one of those a uh, fallback option. You're, you're basically your, your fourth guy on the list. We haven't seen Josh McDaniels. I think he just got an interview request with the Raiders. Um, so that would apparently he's been turning down interview requests with teams with a lot of teams, and the Raiders are the only one he's interested. So I, who do you who do you target if Byron is not your guy? I mean, it's really tough. I mean, it would have to be Jim Caldwell. Like it, at that point, it's Jim Caldwell or bust. If you ask me, like I like Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. I think he's a solid coach. I, I would love him as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm not really a head coach kind of guy. I mean, but I don't think he did awful in Denver. Those teams were competitive. The defenses were pretty good until they started gutting it. Uh, the problem he had in Denver was he didn't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. They had talent on that roster. Yeah. He didn't have a quarterback. He went to battle with what Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're not winning those games. It's, it's not yeah. exactly you know the creme de la creme of QB play. So I mean, if you said, all right, well we're gonna bring Vic here, Vic. But my first question to Vic is, who's your offensive coordinator, bro? Because your defensive coach and your problem in Denver was scoring points. Who you bringing here that's gonna that's gonna all of a sudden fix this offensive coordinator this offense situation? And if he can't answer that, if he looks at me and says we'll figure it out, then he can get back on the plane and go back wherever he came from. What's I the, mean, Doug Peterson, what what happened? With that, there was such the buzz on Peterson early on. He flunked all his interviews. It looked like what would happen? I mean, um, he's been just he fell off. No second interview. Sound like he flunked all of them. Because so, I mean, he was he was on his, he was doing his interview tour. I mean, he was doing his media tour just the way uh, Urban Meyer is mm-hmm. doing his media tour now, and it just didn't work out. Doug Peterson fell off the map. I mean, I'm telling you, like I don't mind Fangio, but I need to know who his offensive coordinator is. But you're also not going to convince me 
that he's okay with working with Trent Bulky mm-hmm. because Bulky promotes Jim Tom Sula over him in, in San Francisco. Fangio doesn't even stick around to hang out with Tom Sula. He packs his bags and goes to Chicago. You think that kind of that kind of upset that just doesn't just goes away? Like yeah. he watches you. He watched him get rid of Jim Harbaugh. And then you promote the defensive line coach over the defensive coordinator. Somehow, Vic Fangio strikes me as the kind of old school guy that holds a grudge. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying, you know, uh, I, he strikes me as that kind of guy that will look at Trent and be like, nah, bro. I remember. I still remember. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe him and Bulky have mended those fences, but there's at least the, a reason to believe or at least question whether or not he would work with Bulky. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know just how much of the center bulk, like, of, of some of this Bulky stuff, if it's blown out of proportion, is how many people don't like him. I have no idea. But I do know that there are at least, I mean, if Byron left, which obviously has decided he didn't want to work with him, and I'd be willing to bet Vic Fangio don't want to work with him. I mean, does Jim Caldwell? I don't know. But to me, if you miss out on Byron, it's Caldwell or bust. There's no other options out there. Like, who are you going to get? You can call Doug Peterson back and try and interview him. I think he flunked out all his interviews. You only interviewed Kellen Moore once. Dan Quinn took his name out of the coaching search mm-hmm. for everybody. It's like, uh, where do you go if it's not that? And, I mean, they could call David Cully. Yeah. I mean, he's out there. He's looking for a job. I mean, uh, there's nothing out there. I do, I do think it would be a, if you miss out on Byron, it would be a David Culley kind of hire. It would be that we've missed on every one of our top candidates, and this is our last resort. This is our this is what we have to deal with, and I do think it would be a... Kind a of how they landed Doug Maroon. Yeah, it, it's exactly the same. Yeah. You settle on a guy like that, and uh, the fan base, I think it would be just apathetic, bordering on uh, just... Absolute um, mutiny at that point. You gotta if you, do something if you if you do not hire a Byron at this point. I understand that the drawbacks, the uh, the knocks on Byron, um, the age, the inexperience. Um, he was. I've seen that he was a bad player. He was an average player. I don't think that has to do with anything. He has the mental base. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Byron will be a good head coach uh, at some at somewhere in his career, whether that's this year with Jacksonville or elsewhere in his career. I don't think. The, the negatives outweigh the positives or the, the ceiling for Byron. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm worried about if they, they don't move on Byron or don't bring him in, you're going to end up having to settle for um, your third or fourth choice, and that's what it looks like. Right yeah, now. It, it's kind of looking like it's Byron or bust, and I don't. Maybe some of this pressure is un is unwarranted because there are still options out there. I mean, the Dolphins still have a, a coaching opening. The Saints have a late coaching opening. There are still jobs that are available. Mm-hmm. And it's never too late for the Jaguars to maybe try and make a play on a Brian Dabble or a Brian Flores. Yeah, and, I, and um, when the, the Flores news came out, I thought that was great. But I don't think they even put in a request to, or, uh, you know, gotten his agents, hey, but we want to interview Brian. Um, I, I think that Flores, Dable would be good. Um, there are some guys, but then you're getting on that train a little bit later than some of those other teams who have interviewed those guys. So I would worry about that as well and more attractive situations that uh, stop for those guys. Well, here's the thing, and I, and I know some people are, are considering the Jaguars' situation not attractive, and I'd give you a counterpoint to that. The Jaguars have struggled forever. The fans are, are ready for some stability. Mm-hmm. But you tell me right now, if a coach comes in here and wins six games next year, how does the fan base feel? They probably build a statue to replace the Jaguar statue. If you go to Vegas and win six games, how does that fan base feel? There's a very different, like the the standards of success are are very different. Like if you go to New Orleans, you're looking at, you need to make the playoffs, bro. Mm -hmm. If you go to Miami, they're looking for you to compete for the playoffs. If you go to Vegas, you better be winning some games. Here, just competency. Like, like, you know, show some progress. Yeah, show some Um, progress, win six games this year, maybe win seven or eight the next year. Give people a reason to believe you're headed in the right direction, and everything is fine. You won't hear anybody calling for your job. I mean, you get to hang out on the beach. It'll be fine. I mean, seriously. And I, I, I think that's why this is an attractive landing spot for coaches, because they know Shad's not the guy that wants to fire you after one year. 
He wants to get you in here, give you four to five years to see what you can do. And all he wants to do is, is you to give him a reason to believe he don't have to bother you. Yeah. That, and while you you can't say that about a lot of owners in the NFL that, that want you to give them a somewhat reason to leave you alone. Like Jerry Jones not leaving you alone. No. I mean, they, they got plenty of owners that's going to be it. What, what do you Sean, mean? Sean's M.O. has been patience. And yes. Use it as a business. And it... Um, you know, you don't want to have a law of diminishing returns where it just gets worse and worse and worse. But Shot is a businessman. Yes. He's patient. He sees. He stays the course. Urban Meyer was changed that completely. Well, but I think I mean, you can tell by Urban's media tour that he's going on now about that he should have never been hired. This was like a Shad like dream scenario. This was his dream coach. It feels like, mm-hmm. and like you can even tell by Urban's media tour now. Well, we lost some games, and I was sitting in my office, depressed, staring at the ceiling, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. You, what? <laughs> like, the team was on yeah. a 20-game losing streak at one point. Most of those losses weren't even yours, dog. Like, yeah. you can't be, the, like, on, like carrying the weight, uh, like, of that and saying, well, I was sitting in my office, staring at the ceiling. At some point, you should have been working on how to win some games. Instead, if you're really that distraught about it, he would have been game planning rather than staring at the ceiling. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't even know what like his end goal of going out in public and saying this. Like, somebody should just tell his dude go home because you're making yourself look bad. Yeah, a rehab tour for Urban <laughs> has begun, but it just makes him look even worse. Like, Urban was a bad hire. Uh, it was the boomer bust. The red flags there with Urban exactly. from the outset, and I think they Shad Khan got a. Uh, Urban Meyer in retirement version of Urban Meyer. That's exactly what he, he, he was. Mark Ritt at Miami. He was at home by five o'clock to watch the sunset on his back patio by the pool. That's where Urban Meyer came here to he did, he did not get control freak Urban nope. and uh, demanding Urban nope. from a football standpoint. I think he got uh, he got an Urban Meyer that was checked out, had uh, seen the writing on the wall that hey, this is my last paycheck, my last job. Get my uh, toe in the NFL waters and go from there. He got a shell of Urban Meyer, the the great coaching legend of Urban Meyer. And that's why last year during the head coaching surf, when the reports were coming out that Urban wanted to be the highest paid coach in the NFL, and I said that is a red flag and Shad did not need to pay that man that much money. And fans came from my throat like I insulted their firstborn child saying that Shad needed to just pay the man whatever he needed and I didn't know what I was talking about and I was crazy. But to me, an unproven NFL coach coming to you and saying, I should be paid more than Bill Belichick that got all these Super Bowls. That's a red flag. A dude that's been in retirement, red flag. So... Look, you know, we got it. It was one year and done, moving forward. But, like, Shad doesn't want to do that. Shad would much prefer to hire a, a, a head coach and be like, y'all go do yeah, your thing. do it. I mean, he, he, doesn't, he does not want to bother you. He's a hands-off guy, and you can tell from talking to him and listening to his availability yes. uh, when he's there. He wants to get an operation set up and have it run itself. He wants to and be he, an overseer. He wants right. uh, Tony and, I mean, Mark Lamping, those guys, to handle things, the coaching staff, to be able to self, be a self-run organization and him to be uh, called on when necessary. He and that's why I that. think that this is still an attractive job to a lot of teams, around, a lot of coaches around the NFL. Even, I mean, like you could say, well, Balky's a little bit of a red flag to some people, maybe, but I think they still understand that if you take this job, you're going to get patience from your owner, which a lot of owners can't say the same thing. And, you know, I know a lot of fans are upset and are, like, antsy that the coaching search has taken so long because Urban was fired in the middle of the season. But realistically, I never expected this coaching search to be over until close to the Super Bowl. Um, I I did not expect it until all of a sudden the the Byron left, which stuff started Mm -hmm. to seem like they were hot and heavy and heading to prom. Um... And then it kind of seems like, okay, well, they nailed their guy and they're trying to fast track it to make sure no one else gets him. Well, I, I, there's something that's been telling me from the beginning that this is just going to, this is going to last pretty close to the Super Bowl. Um, they've always said, you know, so we'll see just how everything kind of comes together and shakes out. But I, I think this is going to last pretty close to that Super Bowl game, I don't think we're getting an answer before at least Super Bowl week. We might know if Bustelli's going into the Hall of Fame before we know who the Jaguars' next head coach is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. So you're I think you're so. not a, a proponent of this thing's going to break over the weekend. 
it's not going to break next Monday. It's no. going to it's going to be a little bit of time. I so. think it's going to drag on. I've always thought it was going to drag on. Even when Urban was fired early in the year, after we kind of did all that Urban firing stuff in the middle of the night, and we kind of talked to Shadow about the ten years later, which was before the Urban firing. I always thought that it was going to drag until close to the Super Bowl. Um, and I still have that feeling that it's going to drag on. I mean, it seemed like they got hot and heavy with Byron, but for whatever reason, it seems to be, I mean, whether they're at the negotiating table at a standstill or there's just been a halt in progress or who knows, maybe there's a candidate that we don't know of mm-hmm. that's on one of these remaining coaching staffs that they really want to talk to. I mean, Kevin O'Connell, is it, is it O'Connell? Uh, the, the Rams offensive coordinator has been getting looks from other from other uh, from other teams, and maybe Shaw's still waiting to talk to him. Maybe he wants to talk to the enemy again. I mean, there could be an unnamed guy that we're just not and aware of. And that Shaw does a the, good job of keeping this yeah, thing that circle closed is down. Tight. Tight circle, man. Um, you know, years ago when he was in that first year of ownership and uh, looking for that coach to lead the team after he just bought him. Uh, he settled for Mike Malarkey his first year and then ditched Mike Malarkey. And the Gus Bradley hire came out of nowhere. And he was kind of that unknown guy at the time and really took a lot of people. I remember exactly what I was doing, where I was at when that happened. I get a text and it says, Jaguars are, are hiring Gus Bradley. And, it, yeah. you know, all of us at my former job were just stunned. Like, Gus Bradley, are you serious? Where did this name come from? So Shot has that potential to have that sneaky hidden candidate in the pack, you know, in you know, in the package of interviews, and yeah. pull him out. Maybe it's not Byron uh, in the long run. And I think the longer this drags out, it, it's more of a potential for that mystery candidate to step into the picture and uh, say, "Hey, I can I can work with Trent Baalke. Uh We can build something good from here." I think the longer this drags out, if it gets to that closer to the Super Bowl range, mm-hmm. I do think it could be a mystery candidate or a guy that is maybe that Gus Bradley kind of guy where he just comes out of left field and. Uh, of course, that was Dave Caldwell who made that hire at the time yeah. and kind of convinced Shaw that that was the thing to do and um, turned out not to be so good. I could be terribly wrong, but I still think that there is that this thing is just going to drag on. Uh, Super Bowl week was always my kind of like target date, especially when all the coaching hires seem to be kind of taking their time. There's six jobs left <laughs> open right now besides Jackson. I mean, seven jobs. So, so he's but, not. He's not. He has no reason to feel like he has to kind of press the gas on this thing. Everybody's still kind of feeling around and trying to figure out who's their next person. And until the more of those jobs really start filling in, I don't know that he's going to feel pressured to, to move forward. Like, I understand the draft is is around the corner, but if he's planning to keep bulk, he really has no reason to rush. Mm-hmm. So I I think Super Bowl week is our is our target date. It's always kind of been the target date in my head just from – from the way I thought things were working and the way he wanted to make sure he talked to everyone and was cast into such mm-hmm. a wide net, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there were some guys that come in for second rounds of interviews that, that were from that first batch and and we see this thing continue to drag on. I I think he wants to, in Shad's words last time around, the, the infamous thing he said was, this time I got it right. Well, this time he wants to be able to say that in a press conference and mean it. Not have everybody and, laugh and at him. And not have everybody laugh at him seven yeah. months later. So I think he's trying to do the, the most thorough job he can. Uh, who knows exactly how this thing works out. Like, Shad has done a phenomenal job of keeping a tight circle. I mean, you can even say that, you know, a lot of the NFL lead insiders, Adam Shepard and your Rapport, have no idea what's going on because mm-hmm. there's just no leaks. Yeah. I mean, here in Jacksonville, we hear a little bit more than they do, but, I mean... It's it's tough to keep get an exact pulse. I mean, it, would, it, would it surprise me if the you know news broke right now that he hired somebody? A little bit, but I mean, at the same time, it wouldn't because I mean, he moves in mysterious ways. He could, I mean, legitimately could go and, and land Josh McDaniel and nobody even know he interviewed the dude. Yeah, we've been tracking his planes uh, this week on uh, the, the flight uh, tracker, and uh, today his uh, plane left from I believe Urbana, Illinois, up where he was at, flew to Jacksonville this afternoon or actually late this morning and then left again flying south and we're looking at it like man is he going to Tampa to to pick up Byron Leftwich in his big plane. This is one of Shot's this is Shot's biggest plane. 
a 22 seater. So we're thinking, man, he's going to go down and get Byron's family. And as we're watching on the radar, it swoops around the coast of Florida, off the East Coast, and heads down towards the Bahamas. So unless the Jaguars uh, have congregated Adrian Wilson and Byron in the Bahamas, then it did not look like they were going down to pick up uh, a Byron contingent in Tampa. So he keeps us guessing. Well, I, I did hear that Byron was in town at some point this week. I don't know if he ever left. Uh, but I did hear that he was here. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Tampa ain't that far. He could just hop in his car and drive if he really wanted to. You know, and that ain't a bad ride. I Byron knows his way around yeah, town here. He, 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 he get here. So, I mean, who knows? It, 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 this thing could happen at any given moment. Does Shot have to be there? No. I mean, you know, beauty of Zoom these days. Like, he's already done his in-person interview mm-hmm. with them. So we're all kind of waiting to figure out exactly what's next. But I think the, the one thing that the world can agree on is if it ain't Byron Lefkowitz, it might be bad. Is it? Yeah, and I've had several Jaguars fans on Twitter mention this and comment at the bottom of stories this week. Is it ridiculous or uh, presumptuous to think that Sean Payton could be in play? It's not going to happen. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think that's a possibility. The, the only way you could land Sean Payton, like first off, you'd have to trade the Saints. The Saints would have to agree to let him out of those final years of his contract and transfer them to Jacksonville. So the Jaguars would have to send them some sort of draft compensation. But for the sake of conversation, let's say the Jaguars offered up like the first overall pick or something, whatever, and made the deal happen. Whatever. Sean wouldn't come here. Mm-hmm. I mean, not if if Sean came here. The, the the first thing that would happen, you'd have to almost promise him, like, complete carte blanche. He'd have to be the president. He'd have to be the coach. I mean, I don't care if Trent Baalke stuck around or not. Like, if you convince Sean to work with Trent, like, Trent would have no power. Mm. Because, I mean, think about how things were in New Orleans. Like, Mickey Loomis was the contract guy. Like, he was the one that came up with all these nutty contracts for all their players. That, that always that The reason they're in salary cap hell right now, but he's not worried about it because... He comes up with these nutty contracts with void years and, oh yeah, we'll sign you to a $50 million contract. Ha ha ha, you only get 12 of it before the rest is just this evaporates into thin air. Like stuff like that. He's been doing it for years. He's the contract guy and Sean Payton is the football guy and makes the decision on everything when it comes to the players that are on the roster, off the roster. He's not checking into anybody. Now, I mean, did you, I know you're a, a Saints guy. When I saw Sean's press conference, I thought this is a guy who's burnout. Yes. He's done. He needs a break. He's done. He needs to recharge, and he's going to whether that's in the, the TV booth, whether it's playing uh, catch with his kids, whatever it is. I think Sean Payton, and I don't think I, he's not going to coach this year. For I'm one. not convinced he ever coaches again. Yeah, I think he needs. I think he is he, burnt out and needs a break. After the the Bounty Gate suspension, he was never the same guy. I mean, he was before Bounty Gate. He was intense. He was locked in. He took that year off, and there's the Netflix movie about it, coaching his kids, and he kind of realized that there's life outside of football. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing wrong with that. By all means, he was a different person. He was a lot more relaxed when he came back. And he even talked about in that going away press conference how if he knew what he knew or knows knew what he knew now when he first got the job, he would have handled the media differently. Mm-hmm. He would have handled some of the players differently. Um, so I I don't think he, I don't. Didn't think it sound to me, and you're the I think uh, New Orleans guy, but it did sound to me like it's a guy who was no. ready to get back in the coaching thing. So he, I think that is yeah. If he was coaching, I, there's there's no reason for him to leave New Orleans. I mean, yes, salary cap's bad. Yeah, the quarterback situation is questionable. But at the end of the day, he had carte blanche there. If he whirled into Mickey Loomis's office and said, "I want to trade everything to get that to to go get Aaron Rodgers." Mickey's going to say, okay, let's make it happen. And the owner is going to say, y'all, y'all go ahead, do what you got to do, bring us a trophy. And, yeah. I mean, legitimately, the countdown is on, like, for when his statue and Drew Brees' statue outside mm-hmm. the dome down there goes up because they're they're basically city royalty. He, there's no reason for this dude to go and coach somewhere else, especially a place where it's like a full rebuild. Yeah. Um, no. If you're talking about – and that's my problem with everybody says, well, I really wanted a candidate with a – Head coaching experience. Who? Yeah. Who not. out there? Like, what are we going to do? Pull, pull Bill Cower out the booth? And mm-hmm. even realistically, if you go look at his record from when he was in uh, Pittsburgh, I think it's glorified because he walked out with a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't that great. Like, Doug Peterson has a Super Bowl ring, but outside of that, like, I mean, he's a good. He did some good things there, but they had the the blow up toward the end was just the reason he got yeah. fired. And how much of a red flag is that? And then you say Jim Caldwell, like, yes, he made it to a Super Bowl. 
and he did some good things when he was in Detroit, and he is a good coach, but is he a, a absolute home run of a hire at this stage in his coaching career? I don't know. I mean, at the very least, I can say that he would come here and stabilize things. Mm-hmm. Seven wins, eight wins, nine win kind of years. Yeah. So he's going to get you to that, that upper echelon. I don't know. Can he still relate to the players that are in today's NFL? I don't know. I mean, because that's the other thing is that coaching generations are changing. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. There's a changing of the guard. So, I mean, I like what other former head coaches are just floating around out there that are possible? Like, I mean, outside of that, you start really going into the dumps. Like, I mean, Leslie Frazier, man, we saw his Bills defense get gutted by the Chiefs. Um, Mike Zimmer's hanging out at home. I mean... He was okay with the Vikings. I'd like him as a defensive coordinator, probably not as a head coach. Then you get Vic Fangio again. Um, there's not, there's not there's, that guy, you know. Not that guy that, and and the reason is because like it is a it is a once in a lifetime kind of situation when that guy is available. Like mm-hmm. we, nobody really questioned if Andy Reid was a good coach when it kind of when his time came to an end in Philly. So when he landed in Kansas City, that was like a a chance marriage being made. No one questioned. If like Andy Reid's resume, just because he hadn't taken home that Super Bowl, yep. like we knew he was a top level coach. Yes. I mean, um, who I, it, those moves just don't happen yeah. often because those guys don't become available. So like Tony Dungy, we knew Tony Dungy was a good coach when he was in Tampa. So then he goes to Indianapolis and he does more good things, and it's like okay, we knew this was coming. You can see, like, certain former head coaches and know that they were good coaches the first time around. Okay, well, they'll be fine. But those guys aren't growing on trees. They don't grow on trees. If you're the guy, typically you have a job and you're not going anywhere unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong. Like a television booth or you're retired. That's it. And it's like, and then when you start talking about pulling guys out of retirement, you run into an Urban Meyer kind of situation. Or a John Gruden situation. Or a John Gruden situation of just how locked in is this dude? From, like, he went from being on the golf course every day, like Byron Leftwich said he was, um, when he was retired. He's on the golf course every day and then in the coaching. And there's no time for golf anymore because now you have to be locked into football. Yeah. So it, are you ready to go back and be locked into football again, or are you is your head still out on the golf course? No. Because that's the risk you run when you start saying, all right, I'm going to pull a dude out of retirement. Like, yes. Wade Phillips has been at him. He's a former head coach. Like, but how, long, long, yeah. but, but how locked in is he going to be? I mean, there are tons. Like, Jeff Fisher just got back and put Herm Edwards is off coaching college football. Marvin Lewis is sitting at home still. I mean, mm-hmm. there are guys. You could go get Lovey Smith, all the David Cody staff, all former coaches who had some level of success in the NFL at some point. But how locked in uh, are they going to be, and are they going to be a good enough head coach to elevate you? I don't know. Like, I don't know how locked in Marvin Lewis is because he hasn't been a full-time coach in how many years? Lovey Smith got was in college. He got back in the NFL as a defensive coordinator. Like, so I know he's at least locked in, but is he going to be that guy that elevates your no. franchise? So that's the kind of guys you're picking from when you start saying, well, I want somebody with head coaching experience. It's got to be Jim Caldwell or Doug Peterson, and it's like, if that's what you're set on, those are the two guys that, think that are in this hiring cycle, and I just don't think there's – I mean, Vic Fangio maybe, but I, I think you're getting that – there's three – I mean, guys like that are in that same cup and that same cloth. I yeah. think you're going to um, be – those guys are just the same. There's not a Tony Dungy out there no. uh, right now. So that's – and there's a reason why they're not out there. That's it. I mean, it's just it's- – those guys get jobs, and that's why I've always been locked in on find the guy. I don't care. Like, if Byron Leftwich is that guy, they feel like from the interview process, like I brought up his resume, but if you feel like he can be your McVeigh, get him before he's ready. Yeah. Surround him with veteran coaches and give him every reason to succeed. And that's, you know, if you listen to us on the News for Jags podcast, I mean, you've been kind of beating that drum for quite some time. Yeah, you know, the, the, the negatives on Byron, I think, are the ones we continue to hear. Lack of, I mean, any kind of lack of sustainable experience. I mean, yep. he's been an offensive coordinator for four years, yep. right? And he's not, he started his career as a coaching intern in 2016. So mm-hmm. he's not, doesn't have a huge body sample size of this long-term coaching career. Yep. Sean McVay was 30 years old yep. when he was hired. As a head coach by the Rams, 30 years old. And, you know, you're, Jamal is kind of, bang the drum on this, get the guy before he becomes Sean McVay. You got to. I mean, think about Sean Payton. You brought him up. He was, when he he was hired, it was like, who? 
Like, he was st- a, a decent offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, but he wasn't the guy yet. Like, Mike Tomlin, another good example. Another, Mike Tomlin. One-year one defensive coordinator. One-year defensive coordinator. Yeah, I had a great yeah. interview with Pittsburgh, but mm-hmm. hired and gives me a Hall of Fame coach. And I don't – I think that, that those issues with Byron are overblown, and I do think – I agree with you. If you're going to hire that, that prodigy kind of coach, you're willing to let him grow for a little bit, and I think Shad Khan would definitely be that yeah, way. Too. Get him before, kind of get him before he's that Sean McVay. I think he's one of the top candidates on the market. Um, who else is out there? Sean McDermott. He had been around for a while and yeah. worked under a couple of different people, but before he was still a younger coach when yeah. he got that opportunity. And look what uh, they've done. And I look mean, what they've done. I mean, Dan Campbell had never been a coordinator in his life. He's the Lions head coach, and those players will run through a wall for him. It didn't mm-hmm. translate into wins, but there's no questions of if they found their guy. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of there's a lot of situations where you can kind of see this, like. Okay, well, you got a guy who had a short resume, but he was a little bit of a rock star, and you know, it it's kind of worked out and translated into some things. And instead of waiting for him to, you know, go and prove himself somewhere yeah. else, because then he ain't available. Like, sure. I mean, if you'd have hired John Harbaugh, for instance, like when they hired him, Ravens fans weren't exactly Ooh, ready to yeah, run exactly. through a wall for him. They were like, who? And yeah. now it's, they've got their coach that they believe in. I mean, so you got to kind of find the guy. If he's a little young or he doesn't necessarily have something, you know, surround him with a staff of people. Think about what they did yeah. with McVay in, in L.A. I they put Wade right. Phillips on that staff. Eventually, they moved past Wade mm-hmm. and, and upgraded that defensive coordinator position with someone else, Brandon Staley. But they gave they put Wade there for a reason because Wade represents stability. And he'd 30 been, years of coach, experience he'd right been around the block. Right. So if Sean had a question, he knew where Wade's office was. And that's somebody that... Because of especially how long he had been a coach, Sean had no choice but to respect him. He'd been mm-hmm. coaching as long as Sean had been alive. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to think about it that way when you tell him, okay, look, I'm going to bring you in, but here's the staff I need you to put together so that way I can see you be successful and grow into the coach. That's life. right, and I do agree. I think if you hire a guy like a Leftwich with uh, a limited body of work but a high upside, yep. put him in – we beat, we've beat this horse repeatedly throughout the year. Yep. We knew Urban was, was going to be gone. Hire the young guy. If you're going to do that, lack of experience scares you. Put him with a coaching staff and just insulate him with that experience. And it could be the, the Matt Nagy. I mean, it could be so many of these guys, the Adam Gase types, you guys have been there hey, and done David that. David Coley. David Coley. You know, put that experience around them. Insulate them a la McVay, Wade Phillips kind of deal and mm-hmm. let them grow. And I think that's the best Best uh, best scenario if you're going to hire guys like Byron Leftwich. All right, I think we've been on here for a while, so let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. That'll do it for our News for Jacks podcast and our Instagram live. Uh, if you want to find more on the News for Jacks podcast, you can just head over to newsforjacks.com or uh, just wherever you get your podcast, you can search it there. Or if you want our our Instagram, it's Sports for Jacks over on Instagram. I appreciate you giving us a listen, and we'll see you on the News for Jacks podcast next time.